One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. Hello and welcome to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. First up, let's look at the action at the Oval and in Cardiff as an unconvincing England team go 2-0 up against Australia. Plenty of uh, overs left in the tank, six of them for England. It's a comfortably not victory. They might want to have a little look at this. They're not going to, I think they're just going to shake hands. England win. Away from this, England ladies storm back from defeat in their opening ODI with South Africa to win their three-match series. Tammy Beaumont with back-to-back centuries and she joins us later on the show. And that is some way to get to 100. Brilliant again from Tammy Beaumont. Back-to-back centuries in this series against South Africa. And if that isn't impressive enough, we'll speak to the 17-year-old who smashed a double hundred and took a fiver for New Zealand against Ireland. Amelia Kerr. And later in the show, I'm joined by a truly inspirational cricketer, Hassan Khan, and you have to stick around to hear that story. You're listening to Dan and Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. With me, as always, my usual line going into it is Johnny Norman. How are you doing, John? I'm all right, mate. Are you recovered? I mean, you have been... I've been everywhere. You've been pushing it, mate. I from have. England to Russia, back to the Oval. Um, I tell you what, I just... I nipped in. I didn't tell you this, but you were at the uh, at this fundraising event, were you? On Wednesday at the Oval, there was you, there was KP. Was Piers Morgan there as well? Yes, we had Piers there. Well, I popped my head in at one point, and KP was talking... Um, about his performance uh, on the football pitch in that soccer aid game <laughs> last week. Everyone Did you fall to... asleep? Well, I just, as I say, I dipped in, I scoured the room looking for you. Uh, I couldn't see you, so I, I nipped back to my uh, broadcast box. But I was uh, on stage with him. Well, I couldn't see you, though. I, you know the doorway well, you can't in. can't miss me. What's well, up with I, you? Well, I couldn't see you. That's what I mean. I, w- I looked in. You know, as you walk in through the hallway, you must have been on the stage to my right. But I was just looking around all the tables. KP was talking about back lefts or left backs, getting confused about what position he actually played in on the field. Um, anyway, I couldn't see it, so I nipped off. But uh, from that, you went home, back to do uh, some stuff for Cricket Week and then uh, back on drive today. Yes, um, it's been an interesting uh, week. Really enjoyed Russia. Um, we've got the Russian Cricket Federation trying to gain touch and trying to organise nets. I'm trying to sort it out for Oxby and Jacobs <laughs> to go and have a little uh, knock around uh, with the Russian uh, cricket team. Um, unfortunately, unless England gets through to the latter stages, um, I won't be going back. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. A game of cricket could yet be on the cars, Johnny. Oh, sounds good. Well, look, um, we'll leave the football for now. Uh, and there does seem to be quite a lot of optimism in and around the England team at the moment. However, I do speak before England play on Monday night. Um, so you made it back for the Oval. And uh, then again, you would have uh, watched the action in Cardiff. What, what were your initial thoughts from both performances from an English perspective? Well, I thought there were some individually great performances. And to be fair, uh, th- I thought this is a trial series for Australia. It's getting a bit concerning for them now, though, because they just keep losing against this England team. They just can't seem to get the better of them. No. And 
and, and let's be honest about it. There's a, there's a lot of question marks about Australia. England, we know. England, we know, are ranked number one. They're a fantastic side. They've got lots of confidence going into it, even though they lost against Scotland. And I did say it doesn't matter as long as we beat Australia. Yeah. And that's the way it's gone. Now, I was surprised... Um, like I said, some individual top top performances, if, if we're going to be honest. I think Plunkett, who people have said is under pressure, and he doesn't look as though he's worried about he might not have one player who drops out of the attack. Well, no, actually, he's, no bowled, way. he's bowled excellent yeah. uh, for England at the latter and stages. And for, for a, a while, he must be England's leading wicket-taker, surely, over the last... Of course Possibly he is. Probably two years. Of course he is. He's been he's been he's been excellent. Uh, I was really surprised when I heard that. I think it was Michael Vaughan who was coming out and said he really worried about Plunkett. I think I'm worried about Plunkett playing for Yorkshire. That's another story. Well, he, he's leaving at the end of the season. Of course isn't he? he is. Of course he is. I think they're trying to cut back on on some of the finances and Even players. Even David Willey. They, they no, he's signed a new contract now. Yeah, so. but it got real really heated yeah, between Willey and Yorkshire when he wanted to go off to the IPL. Well, the problem was, though, John, is but they were worried that these two guys were just going to drop the four-day stuff and leave Yorkshire in the lurch a little bit. But yeah. um, it looks like Willie's agreed to play the old forms and Plunkett, I think, is not too keen on playing old forms. So it might actually be a good move uh, for, for Liam. You know what I mean? He'd be able to go, he might be able to go back to Durham. You know what I mean? Play some cricket there. They need some experience there. He might actually be a good player. Uh, to go back there. So we'll have to wait and see w- what happens with him. But I thought with England's performances, so individually some good performances, I thought Owen Morgan, I think, is the one player under pressure. And you saw in the second game, without him in the team, England are pretty solid, mate. That's the highest score they've ever scored on an ODI against Australia without Owen in the side. But he played really well, if I must say, in the first game. He did, didn't he? He played really, really well. Uh, they lost a few wickets, England. Roy, Bairstow and Hales. Bairstow were unlucky. What a shot that was to get out on Mate, the, when on that the... Le- when the ball left the bat, oh. I, I was that screamed to the boundary, didn't it? It was a decent oh, catch, absolutely actually. absolutely wonderful uh, stroke. And the way he started that innings off, how oh, impressive. Oh, he was yeah. so he impressive. He is so in form, isn't a he? man Confident. in form. But, but the way they recovered, Joe Root and Owen Morgan, you need that in the middle order. They were excellent. And and uh, obviously, um, Willie, we'd been talking about him there. Right at the end, he was fantastic, actually. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think he was surprised. Did someone say that's his highest score for England in an ODI? I, really? I couldn't believe I couldn't believe that. Oh, he's only got over 20 a uh, certain amount of times, which uh, really, really surprised me. Um, I'll, I'll have for to someone who's so records. good. Yeah. And um, Well, I'll tell you what, it's interesting you should mention Owen Morgan, and you're right. Just like uh, the Champions Trophy victory against uh, Australia this time last year, you know, Morgan really stepped up when England needed it. He did the same, but, you know, Stokes has got to get back into that side. I'm not suggesting Morgan's going to go. That, that would be ridiculous. But Joss Butler, who for me, if he can possibly cement his side uh, place in the test team, um, and of course we know he's going to be part of the ODI setup for a while, I have... I have long felt that he is captaincy material. Um, of course he is. And following the match in which he was given 20 minutes notice uh, that he was going to captain after Owen Morgan complained of a back spasm, he spoke to Sky Sports' Mike Atherton. Josh, congratulations. Um, comfortable enough in the end, but were you worried at all that around that kind of 10th, 11th over to go when Agar and Marsh were playing so well? Yeah, they were. They're playing very well. Um, you know, so as you've seen in cricket all around the world, you know, ten and over is very achievable. So, uh, especially with a guy playing as well as uh, Sean Marsh was. So, uh, we had to fight hard and, and keep fighting. But 40 runs is a, a good victory margin in the end. Um, wickets were crucial at that stage then. So to have Liam Plunkett, who's got the best strike rate of any England bowler ever in one-day cricket, and Adil Rashid, who's right up there as well, key for you. Yeah, exactly. Two great wicket takers for us over the past few years. Um, you know, and Adil, um, I thought he took the pressure of bowling at the end um, with batters coming after him really well. So that's uh, very encouraging signs for him. And, and Liam continues to be one of our, our best strike bowlers. So um, no wickets for those guys was, was crucial at those times. I'm underpinned by a wonderful hundred from Jason Roy. Good to see him back in the runs. Yeah, great to see. You know, he, he played very well from ball one today. It was um, fantastic to watch. I thought he paced it very well, and and we actually got in a position where you know we we probably could have got a few more. Um, you know, I thought Australia bowled pretty well at the end, and uh, but yeah, fantastic innings from him, and and great to see. You enjoyed yourself with the bat and uh, with the captaincy armband on as well? Yeah, it's uh, always nice to contribute. Um, you know, I enjoyed the captaincy. It's uh, a little bit tricky at times and you always need that extra fielder out somewhere. But uh, yeah, very enjoyable and, and great to go 2-0 up. And after the defeat against Scotland, confidence fully restored now? 
Yeah, it is. Um, and I, I think we've still got areas we, we can improve on and, and polish up as well to make more rounded performance. So, uh, as we always have been, we're continuing to strive to get better. So, England uh, and Joss Butler. Uh, Butler ending up 91 not out. And I suppose it's a mark of where this team is, Goffey, that uh, they walked off the field and there was a, a little bit of a... Well, there was a feeling that they'd left runs out there, as Joss alluded mm. to. 342 for eight. You know, that's the highest score at that ground, as you mentioned. You know, it's a funny world we live in now uh, where that's a score that England uh, felt a little bit subdued about. <laughs> you know, it was it was a bit strange. But there's another point in there as well, and that is that I felt at the end of the innings, Australia's bowlers bowled far better than England did at the end of the Australian batting innings. Australia were 292 for six, with five overs remaining, two set batsmen at the crease. Mark Wood had just been uh, carted all over the place, and Joss Butler, quite rightly, called upon his two main men, Adil Rashid, Liam Plunkett, and uh, Australia lost two wickets in one Liam Plunkett over, and that was pretty much game, set, a match. However, for me, and I, I'd love to get your views on this, is, there, is the pressure really starting to mount on Mark Wood, not just in the test arena, but the one day? Because mm. I'm not quite sure, um, I'm not quite sure that he has in his game the varieties the out-and-out pace at times, I'm, I'm afraid to say, to be the bowler that AU used to be, actually. But at the death, he can he can disappear. And that's a concern with the World Cup, you know, 12 months away. I still think there's a lot of potential there. I, I know where you're coming from totally. I think he's been economical with a new ball. Um, he has had a bit of pace with that. But when he comes back at the end, I think he has lacked... Uh, that skill factor of um, with with the Yorkers. Now he's got all the potential in my mind to be an excellent one-day cricketer. I can see him playing more of that than Test cricket. I really can moving forward, but I still think he's a bit wet behind the ears. You know where I'm coming from on that. Yeah. And I think, and I think when you look at Australia's bowlers, by the way, I think they've got a lot of work to do. Without Stan Lake in their side, they've got no pace whatsoever. The two Richardsons, the Stoinis the tie, that they have no real pace in their side and they've got to address that very, very quickly. Because the Stanley, by the way, uh, at the Oval, ball rapid Me with a new quick. ball. Those first few hours. In the second game, without him in their lineup, oh dear me, they're going to get carted by a lot of good batting but, lineups. But and England's batting lineup is one of the best, best around. Like I said, you put Stokes in there and you possibly put Morgan in there if he's going to get back in. Um, and, and that is a one strong team, it one is, strong team with a bat. It is very strong. And we know that, you know, numbers one to eight, absolutely uh, nailed on. And having Stokes back in the side allows you the luxury of not bowling Willie out. Because, you know, if the ball swing at the top of the innings, then he's fine. good. He's and he man. struggles after that. I agree with you. There's a lot of question marks still with England. I think the bowling is the biggest uh, concern. I think with Rashid, and this was always my worry about Rashid, yes, he's a strike bowler, he's good, but when he's not playing much cricket, it'll be interesting to see how he copes with it as an individual because you still have to put the same amount of work rate in in practice. If he doesn't do that, Adil, right, it's, it soon catches up with him not playing cricket on a regular basis. So I'll be interested to see because I don't think he's been that impressive in the Royal London Cup uh, for Yorkshire. Mm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how how he keeps up his work rate because he doesn't seem to be getting any one-day contracts anywhere. Do you know where I'm coming from? He yeah, yeah. Seem, there's nobody seems to be picking him up. So it, it's a bit of a concern, that. Um, he went for a 70, but he took the three wickets, and that's what you want from your, your strike spinner. Uh, Sean Marsh was excellent, uh, but like I said, Liam Plunkett, uh, was excellent there. He somehow, he's one of them bowlers where he doesn't knock over a side. He somehow has that gift of well, getting, he, getting wickets caught out on the boundary, doesn't he? Well, it's that, he has that gift. Yeah, as you just heard Michael Afton say, best strike rate in ODIs ever or something ridiculous from an Englishman. Um, there's another uh, quandary. Look, this is, I mean, how Tim Payne, uh, and I'm not sure he's going to be captaining no, this no, time no. next year, by That's the way. That's right. I mean, there's a lot of question marks in that Australian side. I could see at least five of those players in that side, if not more, not in their World Cup squad next year. Oh, totally. I mean, look, Warner and Smith will be back. So, well, look, the Aussies, they got their bowlers fit for the Ashes and they'll probably get their bowlers Sh Sean fit Sean Marsh the might have made that number three place his, his own. I yep. think he's uh, played played uh, well. I think the question marks in, in the longer form, 50 overs of Finch. 
Yeah. I think uh, Stoinis will. I think he'll Stoinis always will be there. He's going to be down at seven though, rather Correct. than in, in the top Correct, four. Yeah. Maxwell's got a lot to prove. Yeah. Um, I think the potential's there without a doubt. We ain't got it out of him yet. Um, they've got Nathan Lyon over here who hasn't had a game yet. I know, surprising, uh, isn't it? What's the point? Uh, Agar's batted well, but he's not really shown anything with a ball. No. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, he does. He just looks innocuous when he bowls. And then on the seam attack. I, I think it's quite obvious, aren't we? But we're going to get uh, the three big boys back. Well, there's also Colton Isle, you know, Pattinson, yeah. if he's fit. They yeah. have got, I imagine if they are all fit, then maybe none of these bowlers, bar Stanlake, will actually be here next yeah, year. Stanlake will definitely be in. I think I'm really impressed with him. He's got yeah. a bit of variety. He's got serious heat and bounce with the yeah. new ball. I was speaking to KP the other day, Kevin Peterson, and he was saying, um, having faced him, he said that was the biggest shock. Really? When Stan Lake bowled at him, he said how quick he was. Wow, that's interesting. He hit the bat hard. Hmm. Um, talking about hitting the bat hard, you know, and it is, uh, as I was saying it actually a minute or so ago, how Tim Payne would love to have this as a problem. How do you fit uh, Alex Hales and Jason Roy into the same side when Johnny Bairstow, of course, is uh, batting like a dream and, be and Ben Stokes is set to come back? But it's a little bit of a... Well, there's a little bit of a quandary here. First off, let's just listen to Jason Roy, who on the back of his 120, the man of the match, spoke with Sky Sports Mike Atherton. First time, I think, in 10 matches you passed 50, so that they were welcome runs for you today. Thanks for that step, mate. Yeah, it's good to know. Uh, I didn't know that step, but obviously nice to, to get over the line. Um, I was just thinking about the competition in and around the group. Obviously, people like Ben Stokes waiting to come back in. Um, I guess that ensures there'll be no complacency moving forward as well. Yeah, there's never any complacency in our change room. Uh, we each want to better ourselves and want to better each other um, every net session. So there's never any complacency no matter what the team is. So that's, I guess, a positive for us. Um, Johnny Bairstow got off to a blistering start. Did that any way kind of take the pressure off you at the top and just allow you to bed yourself in today? Yeah, I guess so. It was amazing to watch. Uh, I was able to just uh, drop anchor and relax and, and nudge it around a bit, which was actually quite, uh, quite pleasing. Yeah. Um, do you feel you're developing or developed a, a good relationship with him at the top of the order now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's, it's obviously quite difficult chopping and changing. Um, but yeah, we've developed a good, good partnership and uh, good friendship. So it's all good. Um, we haven't got much time in this section, Goffey, but look, it looks like it's between Hales and Roy. And what Afton didn't uh, mention is that he has had two scores of exactly 49 in that uh, time. But, <laughs> you know, there is a feeling with Roy, he either goes big or he doesn't really go at all. Uh, Hales, on the other hand, has had you know more consistency, playing batting out of order, out of position as well. Um, as it stands, a year out, who do you go with? Partner, partnering uh, Bairstow at the top of the order with the other player uh, in reserve, Alex Hales or Jason Roy? Well, you got it spot on there. Hales has got more consistency, but Roy's got the X factor. Um, I would stick it. It is. I'd have Roy. I'd have Bairstow. I'd have Ailes at three. I'd have Root at four. I'd have Butler at five. You know my thoughts on it. I think the one mm. under pressure is Owen Morgan, but unfortunately, he's captain and he's got a good record as captain. And then, um, so he's going to play. So one of them's going to have to miss out. And I think it will be at this moment in time. It'll be Hales because um, Root will go up to three, and everybody goes up one. Simple as that. Simple as that. Problems to have, eh? Uh, much mm. better than Australia, that's for sure. Without um, a doubt. We're going, to, uh, we're going to change tack. We're going to be talking about a lot of other cricket uh, over the next uh, 45 minutes or so. Then I'm joined by Hassan Khan, a member of England's uh, visually impaired team. Do not go anywhere. Brilliant interview with him. What a individual and what a story. Uh, but we're going to be talking about uh, ball tampering. We're going to be talking about uh, England, uh, England's ladies. Uh, New Zealand ladies as well. Uh, a fantastic story from a match recently between them and Ireland. Uh, you're listening to Darren Goss Cricket Week, and this is TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Aside from uh, England, Australia and the ODIs, Goffey, plenty of cricket going on in the world and uh, quite a few topics for us just to hoover up, I suppose. Uh, shall we start? Well, we'll start in England still. Raw London One Day Cup. The semi-finals are, are here. I watched a, a terrific game on Sunday between uh, Kent and Worcestershire. I tell you what, mate, if... I know it's it's not exactly football World Cup territory. It's not exactly like being in the Maracanar <laughs> when Chile knocks Spain out the World Cup in terms of atmosphere and uh, and the crowd. But you know the roars 
uh, in and around uh, that ground yesterday as that match uh, drew to a close it was uh, it was fantastic stuff and and uh, and really interesting to see some solo performances real drama a game that went to the final over wickets over 600 runs and a glimpse of the future as well with some with some youngsters uh, in the game Worcestershire who at one point were uh, 40 what are they 48 for 4 hmm. and 188 for 5 reached 306 for 6 122 not out from uh, from Cox um, as he turned the innings around really with help from uh, from Bernard who's a bowler and a bowler I've been uh, watching this season who's been uh, who's been fantastic form Kent rattled early but Heino Kuhn basically marshalling the innings to the final over hitting 127 before he was foxed by a knuckleball from another youngster uh, Brown um, but Kent just getting over the line. Brilliant scenes on the balcony. Alan Donald and the team going absolutely crazy. Um, but it was a wonderful game. And I don't know, you know, I'm not sure I would have seen a knuckleball in one day cricket in this country two or three years ago uh, before the IPL, really. Andrew Ty, who's playing in the, for Australia at the moment. But suddenly it does seem like the mindset of the youngers, uh, younger fast bowlers coming through, they realise they need something a bit extra in those final overs. And Fair play to Brown. It absolutely nearly paid off. You've got to. You've got to now. And uh, that is the future. They see the way T20 is going. If you're just going to run up and put the ball on the length or try and bowl Yorkers and you don't get it right with the short boundaries, you're going to disappear. So you've got to have something special. Knuckleball has been around. Remember Adam Olliot? He was the king of yeah, the knuckleball. Do ball. I remember Adam Olliot? Yeah, of course. Adam really? Olliot with the king of the knuckleball. King of um, Surrey. Yeah, lots of people have tried it uh, since. We've got a few Surrey bowlers do it. got Dernback. Uh, used to bowl a good one and it's been passed down and passed down and now you're seeing lots more and that's what you need now when you've been talking there about Mark Wood needs probably a better slow ball probably Liam Plunkett needs a better slow ball as well but at the minute he's got the golden gift of uh, taking wickets Um, they're going to hand at the moment aren't they at the end and it's been interesting that Royal London Cup I've really enjoyed it there's Mm. been some outstanding performances Kent to come through that Knotts game because Knotts have got a strong team, by the way. Yeah. They came through that one that knocked them off for one down. Kuhn again getting 124 in that game um, alongside Denley and Beldrum. And Denley's been outstanding for them. So yeah. they came through that one. And then Worcester, we all know Worcester, such a young team. Kevin Sharp, the coach. Um, and for them to get 306, as you said. They've had bad starts throughout the tournament, yet they keep recovering. And they did it again. Mm. And Kent just crossed that line. The biggie today um, is obviously uh, we won't know the result because obviously we are doing this show, but it's Hampshire and Yorkshire. It's another massive game. Yorkshire so depleted in numbers with test call-ups, one-day call-ups, sorry, and injuries. Um, Stephen Patterson now just signed a new contract. A lot of people thought this was going to be end. This was going to be his last season. And he's had a golden run again and now got the captaincy and a new two-year contract. So congratulations to him. They beat Essex. Essex have to ask questions, by the way, Johnny, because time and time again in the big games, this just bottle it. Mate, absolutely. I know I hate using the word bottle, but they they find a way to lose when they should win the game. It's always semi-finals for them, isn't it? In limited... I mean, look, they're the champions of, of county cricket, but... Yeah, I mean, it is strange how many against that Yorkshire side. Yeah, against that Yorkshire side, they should have won that game. Yorkshire only making two five nine. Actually, they they did well to get that. It was uh, Fisher came through, didn't he, with a thirty five at the end, and Brezzy yeah. uh, put a nice little partnership uh, t- together uh, at the end to score some runs there to get them up to two five nine. But it shouldn't have been enough. That um, fortress Chelmsford. Can I just apologise to Tom Cola Cadmore, who was on the most blistering run of form. And then he came on our show uh, a few weeks ago, and since then he scored naught, four, and naught. So let's hope he puts on a score against Hampshire. Otherwise, he will never ever come on uh, Darren Goss Cricket Week again. Um, <laughs> shall we have a look at a big story that's been brewing in the West Indies uh, oh. on Saint Lucia, mm. which is an island that I am, we we may be going back to, Goffy, if, uh, if the, the whispers I've heard about one of the Test matches bears out. Um, so I'm not sure whether... No, you were actually back from Russia for this. So at the start of day three in St. Lucia, Sri Lanka 1-0 down in the Test Series. Um, they were accused of ball tampering. 
Shandamal has been accused of ball tampering, not in a David Warner sandpaper gate kind of way, but in a faf de plessis. Um, I'm not sure what kind of mint he was uh, sucking at the time, but basically administering a little bit of saliva, helped with some uh, some some sugar um, from this sweet onto the side of the ball at the end of day two, when Sri Lanka had been bowled out for 260 odd. Um, with Shandamal hitting a century, had the Windies about 180 for four. And so the match really in the balance, but maybe going towards West Indies. And uh, the umpires were very unhappy about the state of the ball at the end of the day. The morning of day three, 20 minutes before the start of play, they informed Sri Lanka that the ball was going to be changed. Uh, and as per the laws, the batsmen, the West Indian batsmen, get to change the replacement. They have been docked five points, a la Pakistan, England, 2006. And so what did Sri Lanka do? Exactly the same as Pakistan. They refused to go out onto the field of play. Uh, two hours later, they eventually, uh, under duress and with protestation, decided to, to go out there and, and resume the game. And to be honest, looking at the score as it stands, that could be a very good decision. Um, but it's yet another instance of ball tampering, whether they're proven guilty or not. Uh, and uh, it does seem like finally the ICC are deciding to really crack down on the side of the game that I suppose <sighs> if you haven't played it, you think one thing, but if you have, and this is where Johnny, I wonder Johnny, what you're, you're going to say, you think completely the opposite. Well, you know, it's, it's getting pathetic. It really is now. The only way they're going to stop this is to say you're not allowed any sweets or chewing gum in your pocket <laughs> or in cricket. your mouth. Only cricket. It's got, well, it, it's, it is getting ridiculous, <laughs> isn't it, now? Shandamal has obviously reached into his pocket, put something in his mouth, yeah. um, and is shining the ball. It's been going on for 50 years, this. <laughs> in cricket. It's because of people... It's, we, we saw with England with Jelly Bean Gate uh, years ago. What, what do you think every Marcus Triscoffic <laughs> writes in his book about uh, extra strong mints? This is, it's been going on for years and so, years. And he's put, he's, he's put the sweet in his mouth and then he's shined the ball. I don't know, is, it, is that cheating? Well, you're I guess accusing it is. It, someone, it's you're a accusing foreign... someone of a cheat. He's basically having a sweet. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's basically <laughs> it's, a foreign, what's the, what's the right term? There's so many grey areas. The only way this is going to work, work is by the saying you're not allowed any sweets in your pocket during hours of play. That's the only way they can stop so when, it. You do realise that when the players go into the dressing room, they're going to have to hand over their mobile phones, hand over the sandpaper, hand over the suite. It's like it's going to be like going to the airport. Do you know, I used to play a game. When we used to play, there's a few umpires on the circuit used to give you sweets. They used to give you sweets. Really? Yeah, Ray <laughs> Julian, one of the best umpires around. He was fantastic. <laughs> players loved him. And he just wanted to be uh, friendly. So relaxes the situation he used to give you sweets as you finish your over here going there's a sweet for you mate um go and sit down at fine leg to your next over so you'd eat that you'd eat the sweet it'd be a mint or whatever it may be so what did he think he's an umpire he didn't think it was going to affect the game whatsoever it's, it's really got his. I've, I've looked into this uh, Sri Lanka West Indies. West Indies, well done to them, actually. They've, they've been impressive against Sri Lanka. Uh, Shannon Gabriel, by the way. Yeah, Shannon be, Gabriel has been saying a, this for he years. He's a about brute. Shannon. A brute of a bowler. Well, Shannon and uh, Kima are both uh, excellent uh, performers. Kima's got uh, some yeah. experience. Gabriel, uh, if he can stay fit, well, uh, he's a big, yeah, big lad. He's an really. excellent performer. I've seen him now for years in the CPL. A big deal. If you go back to my commentary three years ago on the CPL, I was saying when he first really? came on the scene, I said, this guy's going to be, if he can stay fit and strong, this guy's going to uh, be excellent for West Indies cricket. He's a flashback to the old days. He is. He is absolutely. He's like a Colin Croft kind of... Uh... Yep, a, fa- a flashback. And uh, but, but I saw this thing, and it was... After the second evening, wasn't it? They were, they were looking at the... Um, Sri Lanka obviously uh, got bowled out for 2-5-3. West Indies were in control. They were trying to get wickets. And um, they asked for the footage, didn't they? Because the umpire yeah. saw him put his hand in his pocket and then put a sweet in his mouth and then shined a ball. And then this has followed. It's not the end of it, is it? I mean, it's, no. It's, no, I no, mean no. the only way they're going to do it, I'll say it again, is that they've got to stop people putting sweets in their mouth. That's the only way. Should a sportsman be eating sweets <laughs> when he's playing cricket or playing rugby or playing football? Should they? I Realistically, would. no. I, I wouldn't if I was playing rugby, that's for sure. Well, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be full stop. Uh, Afghanistan. Who would have thought eh, Afghanistan in their first test match, uh, given the uh, the challenge 
of facing the world's number one side uh, away from home. And let's not forget that uh, Afghanistan, like Pakistan, are going to be playing all of their cricket away from uh, from home for the foreseeable. Um, yeah, over in two days, uh, India at one point, 258 for one, with uh, the spinners going for 150 or something before lunch on day one. Uh, they did well, Afghanistan. They, they bowled India out, started day two, but it, they were then bowled out themselves twice in a day. A little bit embarrassing. I'm sure they will be. But I, th- I suppose the important thing is that they played the test. But unlike Ireland, who, let's not forget, could have suffered the same fate as they were seven for four in their first innings. It just shows the golf, doesn't it? And just uh... Well, it shows how strong India are. Because Afghanistan, by the way, in one day cricket and T20 cricket are an excellent team. And I think they'll worry a lot of teams around the world come the World Cup. Well, we, absolutely. We, they'll definitely win a few games next year, that's for sure. Yeah, but as I said to you, in one-day cricket and T20 cricket, all these teams, anybody can beat anybody. But when it comes down to test cricket, they should be not even in the game. I thought Ireland were excellent in their first game, by the way. But they still got beat comfortably, let's be honest about it. They got, yeah. they got beat by a young an inexperienced Pakistan team. This one wasn't like India. So much experience in their batting like with Darwin and Vijay and Rahul and Pujara, who had been playing for Yorkshire and Rehan. There's only, the only missing Kohli, really. They had Panja, Ashwin, Jadeja, Ishan Sharma, Yadav. They had a fantastic team out, India. But Sri Lanka, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, the, the, people are talking about being the best uh, spinner in the world at minute. What did he get? Two for 154? Well, I suppose Shane Warne got 100, 101 for 150, didn't he, on his uh, debut for Australia? That's a stat that's always picked out. But it's a bit like Sunil Narayan as well. He he he, he only played about nine Test matches. That averages about mm. 50. Um, the danger is, though, Goffey, it's all well and good us saying, oh, how great is it? Ireland played Test cricket. Well, they're only going to play one Test this year. Afghanistan, oh, they're playing Test cricket. Well, they might only play one Test this year. They've got to have games. They've got to have games. And it's a duty of the world game to ensure that, especially Afghanistan, who can't play at home, you know, teams have got to host them. Otherwise, Mm. there really is no point. Okay, well, let's change tack again, Goffey. Coming up very shortly, we're going to be joined by England ladies uh, batsmen, back-to-back centuries in their recent ODI series with South Africa, Tammy Beaumont, to talk about that and the upcoming tri-series with New Zealand as well. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. Tammy's going for it, and that one's fruitful. Nicely picked up and helped along the way. And she's picked the gap beautifully. Yusufi. And that brings a big smile to her face. Beautiful shot to bring up 100. 
Tammy Beaumont. Lovely shot from Tammy Beaumont. Nice high back lift. She's so good down the ground. Straight down the ground. It's beautifully struck. Tammy Beaumont does not move an inch. Player of the tournament at the World Cup is turning it on under the lights in Canterbury. And that is some way to get to 100. Brilliant again from Tammy Beaumont. Back-to-back -back centuries in this series against South Africa. Her fifth career 100 in all. What a player she is. Well, we promised Tammy Beaumont earlier in the show. I'm pleased to say she joins us now. Uh, fresh from back-to-back uh, -back, uh, centuries in the ODI series with South Africa. Uh, Tammy, thanks for joining us. Um, well, first things first, actually. I followed the series with interest. The, the first one went South Africa's way. And then real all-round performance from both bat and ball from England um, to, to finish things off relatively comfortably. Um, and a return to form with the bat for you as well. You must be very happy with how the series panned out. Yeah, definitely. I think we were pretty disappointed to to lose that first game at Worcester. We were completely outplayed in a way to be sort of sixty for six in the first ODI. wasn't wasn't a great start from us, and uh, we obviously learnt from that pretty quickly and got back um, on the board at home. And yeah, I think the bowling unit have bowled really well um, in both well all three games. So it was great that we managed to to pull off that series win and, and chase down that target at Canterbury. Mm, well, let's go to that one because, I mean, um, your form the last 18 months, and I've been bigging it up on TalkSport plenty of times, Tammy, I mean, it's been absolutely remarkable. The way you're probably your strike rate, your average, everything, your figures have all gone north, haven't they? They've they've gone flying in, in the last 18 months. What's that down to? Yeah, I think um, before that I kind of hadn't really learned how to you know, set myself out for a, a long long innings. I got a few pretty 20s and that was pretty much it. And Mark Robertson coming in showed a lot of faith in me at the top of the order and he obviously saw that I had a bit of talent and, and gave me a good go and, and gave me that backing to go out there and, and play the way I play and, um, you know, hopefully showcase that on the international stage. And, yeah, I was lucky enough to, to get my first 100 against Pakistan two years ago and um, haven't really looked back from there. Uh, Tammy, uh, social media was a buzz again last week. Sarah Taylor behind the stumps. Uh, she missed a recent series to India. Um, it must be a, a, a huge benefit to the team and also as friends as well, just to see her back in the side. And I mean, behind the stumps, um, obviously with that century as well in the second ODI, she's uh, she's quite the, uh, the competitor and a huge part of the team. Yeah, I mean, it's great to have Sarah back. I mean, I ended up having to keep wicket in two games in India, so I'm pretty glad she's back because she does a much <laughs> yeah. better job than I do. Uh, but no, obviously, uh, she's one of my great friends in the team. And, and to share that uh, partnership with her at home, you know, her home, home ground and put on a big big show there was um, a lot of fun. And, yeah, she certainly keeps me going. And it, it's great to see her performing in England shirt as well as sort of happy within herself. And Brunty's still going. Uh, she gets some runs now and again, but uh, the bowling, she's still as good as ever. Yeah, definitely. I think Catherine, um, she's in such good rhythm, rhythm at the moment with the ball and, um, every time she's got the ball in her hand, she's looking threatening. I think potentially more threatening than she has done for the last couple of years. So she's in a brilliant place. And, yeah, she got her career best knock at, uh, at Worcester mm. to give us a bit of a score to bowl at. And, um, yeah, she's certainly an all-rounder now. Um, there was, of course, that famous victory for England against South Africa in the semi-final of the World Cup last year. Did that give you an edge at all? Uh, I think maybe. You know, I think our history of South Africa is, you know, we've pretty much won most of the bilateral series in England. So I think that really did help us. But I think they gave us a bit of a scare in that World Cup semi-final. And, you know, we knew we couldn't underestimate them coming in there. A very much a, a much improved team. They've got match winners throughout their lineup. So I think we knew we had to play our best cricket to try and beat them. And um, But having that kind of win under our belt was quite good as well. Well, it's all about timing and making sure England are playing in the best possible uh, form. And what about moving forward? You've got this uh, tri-series again, haven't you? You've got New Zealand and South Africa now in a T20 series. I mean, I don't know if you saw it, um, but uh, this young girl, 17-year-old, Amelia, Amelia Kerr, uh, obviously getting 232 against Ireland and then getting 5 for 17 with a ball. And they scored 400-plus in each game. I mean, that's serious going, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is. And, uh, you know, they're big players, Susie Bates and Sophie Devine, kind of dropped down the order to give the others a go. So we're certainly not underestimating um, how tough this tri-series is going to be. You know, you've seen the likes of Lizelle Lee and Chloe Tryon um, clearing the ropes with absolute ease. And then the, the Kiwi girls have got just the same kind of attacking flair in, in their batting lineup. So I think it could be a very exciting tri-series. And 
Uh, we're hoping that, you know, we'll put in some good performances and come out on top, but we've definitely got two of the most dangerous T20 teams to come up against. Uh, one last question before you leave, uh, Tammy. In terms of the crowds, because they were, they were really healthy again for that one-day series, have you noticed a change in the makeup of them at all? Uh, there's always been a lot of kids and obviously a lot of female um, viewers along with the men, but has it uh, started to attract more cricket purists in a way or, you know, or people just there simply to watch the cricket? <laughs> Yeah, I think it, I think it has done. I think you know you're seeing a lot more of the the, the guys coming down with the the whizzing cricketers, desperate to get our, <laughs> our signatures for the year, which is which is obviously great. We've always had a pretty good following, and it's great to see so many young girls come down. And we've had the all stars come come onto the field at um, all of the last games in the in the interval. So it's been great to kind of see that, and uh, yeah, it's great to kind of see more of a following since the World Cup last year. Brilliant stuff. Well, Tammy, thanks for giving us your time. Uh, look forward to that series. And coming up on the show, well, it is Amelia Kerr here on Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Well, a few weeks ago, Goffy, we were asking the question, what, uh, what were you doing age 20? Uh, Sam Curran running into bowl in a test match uh, a few months after as a 19-year-old, obviously. Uh, he'd been the overseas pro for Auckland. Um, quite an achievement for him. Uh, well, let me rephrase the question, Goffey. What were you doing when you were 17? <laughs> Cleaning boots at Rotherham. <laughs> well, for our next guest, she probably doesn't know what that means. No. Su- I'll be surprised if she's heard of Rotherham, uh, the football club. Um, an absolutely stunning statistic achievement that's come out in the last week following on the hills of New Zealand hitting 490 against Ireland in an ODI uh, Amelia Kerr uh, opening the batting hit the highest ever score uh, in England ladies or rather in world uh, women's cricket um, and followed it up with a fifer and at 17 years of age uh, joins us now Amelia thanks for uh, joining us on Darren Goff's Cricket Week um, first things first let me just ask you the question. As a 17-year-old, how long have you been playing domestic cricket? Because to do this in that arena would have been something special, but in international cricket, it almost defies belief. Um, I debuted for Wellington when I was 14. So I've been playing domestic cricket a while and then made my debut for the White Ferns when I was 16. So I've been in the side for just over a year now, and it's, um, I've loved every minute of it. Amelia, that, what makes this more amazing, but this was your first game as a opener for the White Ferns, wasn't it? Yeah, it was my first game as an opener. So I've always um, been a batter in age group cricket, and I've played boys cricket all the way, still playing boys cricket now. So I've always wanted to be a batter at international cricket, and then... I guess against Ireland, I was given that opportunity. I started off in the middle order and then and then got to open. So I just really wanted to make the most of that opportunity and score as many runs as I could. Well, when I was a 19-year-old, I went and played in Christchurch for East Shirley, right? And there was a lot of uh, ladies' cricket going on out there and it was pretty strong back then. So, But you've had to play men's cricket uh, to keep improving yourself throughout your youth. Um, so, yeah, I grew up playing in Tawa, at, where I live in, at the club there. So I played boys cricket till I was year eight at school, at, year eight at school, and then I went to college and played in the boys team. So I'm in the first 11 um, with the boys at, at the moment, and I've been playing with them since year 11, which has been some of my best practice. It's just good practice mm. every Saturday, and it really challenges me with batting and bowling. Amelia... What did you do after your innings? Uh, what did you do to get yourself ready for a, a stint as, as a bowler? Um, well, I didn't actually do any fielding or bowling between innings because I was just so tired. I got a, um, I got a massage and then I had a 10-minute nap just because just I was so tired. I did so much running out there with Lee Kasperick. So you had a, you had a life, snooze. So. You, had, you had a little snooze. Yeah. There you go, Goffey. Yeah, 10 got... minutes. Good to go. <laughs> I tell you what, Amelia, that's the way forward, a little snooze. I mean, <laughs> I mean, for New Zealand as well, I mean, what a terrific um, achievement. I mean, what was it, 400 runs plus in each game? And you won all of them by 300 runs. 
I mean, that is an unbelievable performance in itself. Never mind your um, your performance in that game, which is quite remarkable as well. I mean, what was it? 232 ice score by a woman, um, youngest ever double centurion. And then your leg spinners claim five for 17. But the team to keep scoring 400 plus in each game is unreal. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I think um, it, it was really good practice for us, getting some time out in the middle. We are both batting and bowling and, and scoring 400-plus in each game was a great achievement. And I think that we're in a really good place at the moment with lots of different people scoring runs as well, with Maddie Green getting 100 and Lee Kasprick. So it's really exciting for um, New Zealand cricket and hopefully we can um, go well in the Tri-Series coming up on Wednesday. Um, Amelia, New Zealand cricket, even more than England, I, I, I feel, is such a, it seems to be such a family affair. Um, you've got uh, uh, Latham playing for the, uh, the New Zealand team. Of course, his father represented uh, uh, the uh, uh, Black Caps. Uh, you've got Doug Bracewell from the Bracewell family, the Wrights. But you yourself come from a, a cricketing family, don't you? Yeah, I do. My um, grandfather played for the Black Caps back in the day and then my um, my parents both played for Wellington as well so I've just kind of grown up in quite a sporty sporty family like all my cousins are either doing sport or music and I guess just being in the backyard with them and all my cousins is how I really got into it. Amelia did you realise uh, when you were batting but you were approaching the legend that is actually uh, Belinda Clark's 229 did you know that? No, I had no idea that there was any records or anything. So I, I was just betting for the team. And then and then at the end, I found out, um, as the team told me, which was it was pretty surreal. And I guess it was just one of those days where everything kind of falls into place. And I did have a little bit of luck along the way. But like I, I well, we all need luck. We all need a look, Amelia. You finished the innings with two fours and a six, though, off the last three balls to go past that record, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I, I guess it was just the last over, so I was going for it no matter what. But, yeah. Um, and in terms of uh, the challenge that's uh, taking place, South Africa and England, T20, um, with, um, obviously, with respect to Ireland, there's going to be a bit of a jump up in uh, the, uh, the skill set that you're going to be facing. Uh, have you, what's, your, what's your record been like against those two teams in the last year? Have you yet to actually come against either, either nation? Um. Well, I've only played England once last year at the World Cup, and I've never played South Africa before. So, so I've, I don't know too much about them, and they probably don't know too much about me. But I guess it, it is a new challenge, and and it will be exciting. I think it will be a really good series to watch as well. But um, yeah, and the English team are looking in form as well as the South Africans with Lazelle Lee and Tammy Beaumont scoring runs. But I've never really batted. Um, at international level apart from their Ireland series. So I'll, be, I'll see where I'm betting for this and it will be a new challenge, definitely. That's it. I'll tell you what I did have a chuckle with, Emilio, is uh, I read a report, is, but um, I, they asked you how you were going to go and celebrate and you said the one of the advantages of being over in Ireland and the UK is but you can get to watch Love Island every night. So you're <laughs> like most of us sitting at home who have got families. My two boys are 23 and 20. I'm sat there every night watching Love Island. I'm admitting it on national radio. Yeah, nine o'clock to ten o'clock. That's me and most of the girls in the team. So, it's, um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great way to finish the day. Well, we hope you don't have a day nighter then. You'll miss it. I know. Hope, hopefully, they're all day games. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Well, Amelia, we will follow your, your career over the next uh, few years with real interest and uh, hopefully chat to you again in the next uh, year or so. But well done with the achievement and, uh, yeah, keep going, eh? Keep going. All right, thanks, guys. That's uh, Amelia Kerr, a batsman, bowler. Um, I mean, what a, an amazing, amazing uh, career so far. And you just got to wonder. And it was quite interesting as well that she played a lot of her cricket against uh, the boys. Uh, and maybe, you know, at some level, that's something that she might continue to pursue. Listen, I think it's an unbelievable achievement. Um, let's not underestimate her achievements here. It's a maiden 100. <laughs> um, and she got in and cashed in. 
I'm in 232. <laughs> ridiculous. How do you get that many? I don't think I got that many career <laughs> runs in ODIs. She did it in one game. And, and Belinda Clark, most people who know cricket, right, mm. would really... Um, I, I do know her. I've, um, absolutely amazing player she was back in the day, one of the leading lights of uh, ladies' cricket. Yeah, yeah. 229, and she had no idea she was passing that record That's until everybody brilliant. stood up and clapped. I think it's fantastic, and good luck to her. Um, I haven't got much time here, Coffee, but you know we've got a couple of ODIs this week. Uh, in fact, we've got all three before, we could, uh, before we're back on Monday. I, I mean, I can't see it. I'll be surprised if Australia... Take it to the fifth game. Well, it's a win a game. It would be amazing. The way they are playing at the moment, Justin Langer, I tell you what, he's going to be working them (laughs) non-stop. I feel for him. He's taking over the side, which is supposed to be a good team. With injuries and um, rests and people that have been banned, he's ended up with a side, which is now the nearer there. No. His batting lineup. I think Travis Head is under pressure. It? I think Darcy Short, I think he's a good player. Is his, is his level T20? We'll find out over the next few games. Sean Marsh has probably uh, given himself a lifeline with that uh, wonderful 100. But the rest of them are underachieving. They're under pressure and they've, gonna, they've got a few games left to actually cement a place in that Australian side. Otherwise, we're not going to see any of these players again for a while. Uh, brilliant stuff, Goffey. Um, I'll, I mean, you'll be back this time next week. Hopefully England's still in the World Cup at that point. Um, and uh, if, you, if you are listening, don't go anywhere. We've got uh, a brilliant interview. Hassan Khan, member of the England Blind Squad, uh, joins me for the last hour of the show. Uh, fascinating uh, story and a brilliant guy as well. So uh, don't go anywhere for that. Uh, Goffey, thank you. See you next week. Yeah, I'll see you next week, mate. Uh, you're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final... You can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.